Welcome to episode 49 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. In this one, I'm joined by King of the Kipax writer and City Matters Committee member Colin Savage, aka Twitter's Prestwich Blue, and Ray from Man City Fan TV. We talk about the very gratifying 3-2 first leg win over Schalke in the Champions League, and we look forward to the cup final against Chelsea that the three of us will be attending live in London. I began by asking the guys about Pep's comments about our state of readiness to stage a winning Champions League campaign at long last. Here we go. Manchester City are still not ready to fight for the latter stages of the Champions League. Colin, what did you make of that? How do City fans begin to interpret that? I think you take Pep pronouncements with a little bit of a pinch of salt. Because I think we've said this before, having seen the Amazon documentary, we know that what he says in public is not necessarily what he's saying to the players in private or what he thinks in private. But we still look a little bit naive when we're playing in some European ties. And, you know, the Leon games this season and, and for part of the Schalke game, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, part of the problem is maybe does he try to do too much? Does he overthink them, as people are saying? Does he put the doubt in his own mind and the mind of players? Ray, what do you think about that? Is Pep being truthful here or is there something to what he's saying? Things a bit of both. Even a, a genius can push themselves too far sometimes and find problems where they don't uh, maybe exist. As well as that, it's a message to the players. It should be a message to the players. They got those two penalties, regardless of whether they were penalties or not. They got those opportunities. And I think it was also some sloppy play from us again. So I think it's Pep telling the players that you've got to book up your ideas and focus and concentrate. You can't have any downtime, even against opposition like uh, Schalke. You can't expect to cost five or ten minutes or, or whatever. You've got to be on your game for the full game. Colin, we were certainly gifted um, uh, a goal. Sergio Aguero after 18 minutes. David Silva assist. There we go. 1-0 to the Blues. What did you make of that one? Well, it was quite bizarre, wasn't it? Because Laporte had won the ball in a, an aerial duel. The Schalke players didn't seem sure what to do with the ball. Should they put it out? Should they carry on? Probably the, the ref would have called the, the medical team on. So the keeper played the ball out to, I think it was Sonny, the defender, wasn't it? Who was very lackadaisical. And David Silva was in like a little whippet to take that ball off him. Now, the interesting thing, when, when Silva won that ball, Aguero was in an offside position. But of course, by the time he squared it to Aguero, and Aguero obviously scored, it was a simple goal for a player of his ability. He was then onside. Just Schalke just didn't seem to know what to do with the ball. And I think they were all waiting for the referee to blow his whistle. But that's not what the referee does. If you want your player attended to, kick the ball off the pitch. And the pass to Asane, I felt was a poor pass. It was a it was a straight pass to him. Really, what he needed to do was pass that off first time to somebody else. He didn't do that. And uh, yeah, David Silva came in and took it off him. But it's a dangerous straight ball to play to the edge of your box when you've got a City player in the box and a City player coming to meet the player 
who's receiving the ball. It, as I said, it should have been passed sideways. The next big incident in the game is something that we've got to talk about. Now, listen, everything that we saw indicated that Nicholas Otamendi was doing everything he could to get his arm out of the way of that ball. And yet, Peter Walton, for example, on BT Sport, was saying that judging from the distance away that the strike was taken, that uh, Otamendi had his time to get his arm out of the way in the, of the ball. How on earth he could have known that? I've got absolutely no idea. Colin, where do you stand on this? I think we'd all say, under the current interpretation of the handball law, his hand wasn't particularly in an arm wasn't particularly in an unnatural position. He appeared to be getting his arm out of the way on a scale of one to ten, where one was like never a penalty in a million years, like Sterling's against Shakhtar, and ten was an absolutely nailed on, wiped him out, ball nowhere near. Otamendi's was no more than no more than a five, probably a three or a four, maybe. So in one sense, under the current interpretation of the law, so it's going to be a bit subjective. You know, with the benefit of hindsight, I think we all look at that and say, hey, he was, yeah, definitely trying to get his arm out of the way. One of the other things I thought was when we played at Wolves beginning of the season, that their goal there was a huge debate about should a goal be scored by the arm, whether it was intentional or accidental. And I think you've got to look at it the other way around and say. Regardless of intent, if a ball is heading towards the goal, as that obviously was, or heading towards a player who's in a position to score a goal, and it hits the arm, whether it's intentional or otherwise, you've got to think maybe just the same apply, obviously slightly differently. It looked very like the referee wasn't going to give it. He signalled for a corner. Clearly, the VAR guys had a word in his ear. The pitch side monitor inexplicably was not functioning. So was this a case of the VAR panel basically taking the decision out of the referee's hands. Absolutely, Mike. Spot on. I mean, the referee had already given a, a corner, where uh, he was surrounded by the Schalke players, and said uh, no more of this, uh, because I think you can book them for that. Uh, it's not up to them to tell the referee what to do. And, yeah, it's, it's apparently, I mean, obviously it depends uh, who's, uh, where you've read it and who's told you this, but if the screen's not working, the original decision should stand. I think the ref had two options, <laughs> you know, there are so many monitors in the press box. If he wanted to have a look, he could have had a look somewhere else. But it has to be a clear and obvious error. Now, that decision by the VAR people took nearly three minutes to make. And for me, if it's taking that long, it's not a clear and obvious error. You might watch it two or three times, and that's it. The longer it went on, in my notes, I was making watching the game. I said the longer this is going on, the more likely it's going to be a penalty. And you see, I, I watch a lot of cricket. I used to watch a lot of cricket. And it was the same there. The longer something took, where you actually originally thought it was clear cut, the longer it takes, it means they're looking for it. And on my scale of 0 to 10, was it a penalty? I'd have said about a 5. I think Nico was maybe a bit slow in retracting his arm, but maybe he slightly misjudged the flight of the ball. There was no way it was arm to ball. The ball he was moving his arm out of the way. It might have been a, a little bit late, but that's what he was doing. So all in all, uh, I, I think it was a poor decision. Shocking from the VAR. Um, the time it takes to make decisions, the lack of information to the uh, crowd in the stadium, and ultimately a poor decision. And personally, I think VAR will be a great thing for football if it's handled properly. And that's my only concern. Much less dispute, I think, in City fans' eyes about the penalty on the 45th minute where uh, Fernandinho was at fault. What did you think, Ray? Sloppy. We were giving the ball away a little bit and we, in my eyes, were a bit more open player than we should have been. And that allowed uh, Schalke to, to have more 
I mean, they didn't have any, any chances, but they had more opportunities. Apparently, it looked like uh, the City players weren't ready. They'd misjudged who was going to take the free kick. And Dina just put his hands on um, one of their players, and he went down like a sack of spuds. You can't do that, can you? No. I mean, Fernandinho should know this. No, it's a stupid foul. And the thing was, the ball was in the air. Fernandinho had no idea whether the attacking player for Schicker was going to get to the ball. Edison was coming flying out to punch it. So... You have no idea whether the player is going to get to the ball, whether they're going to get a good connection, whether it's going to be a goal. But to give an opportunity of a penalty, there's much more likelihood that someone's going to slam it into the net from 12 yards unimpeded by any defenders. So personally, I don't know why players do this, uh, because you're giving a much greater opportunity for the attacking team to score. And you're also likely to get, get yourself yellow carded, which is what happened to Fernandinho, and he misses the next game. Uh, but hey, that was a very clever thing for him to do because he did a Sergio Ramos now. He uh, gets, a, gets a pass in the next game and he comes with a clean sheet into the game after I, that. I think you have been a little bit cheeky there, Mike, because at the <laughs> moment in time, uh, Fernandinho didn't know that we were going to score another two goals later on to win the game. You know, he, he, he could have missed the next game. We could have lost this one 2-1. We'd have been desperate to have him in the next game. So at that, that moment, he was making it 2-1 to them. Yeah, but Ray, a lot of people were saying that even at 2-1, we went to 2-1 down at halftime. A lot of the commentators, even the, the so-called neutral commentators, were saying 2-1 down, City with an away goal, next uh, match at the uh, at the Etihad, it should be fine for City. Uh, were, were, were you worried about the prospect of going into the second leg 2-1 down, Colin? Uh, no, if I, you know, my view, of, certainly of the second half, was happy to settle for 2-1. And it was a bit of a phony war for the second half. Yeah. I think there were very few clear-cut chances. Uh, and besides, I think we're looking to contain the other, really. I mean, we... Shark had obviously gone into that 5-4-1 formation, so that space wasn't there. So we were reduced to a lot of sideways, backwards-type passing, nothing very adventurous. And I say, it looked to me like we were quite happy with the 2-1. Yeah, well, it's not the worst result in the world, is it, really? And, you know, we've gotten away, God, we've got them to come back to the Etihad. Of course, um, everything changed, didn't it? Is Ederson, um, is, he, is he known for being a penalty stopper? I don't think he is. It's very difficult for a keeper to save penalties. So, you know, the, obviously the attacker's got all these different options. You know, do I hit it down the middle? Do I hit it high and left? So many different places he can hit it. And basically got one option. Do I stand still or a dive? And do I, do I dive low or high? And so it's, def, it's obviously weighted uh, heavily in the attacker's favour. So I would suggest if a, if a goal saves one out of five, that's, that's average uh, for a goal. Colin, it seems like as a keeper, your ability to stop penalties is almost in inverse relationship to your reputation as a whole because some of the great stoppers are quite low the list of, of you know, great keepers. And then some of the great ones, Peter Shilton, I mean, uh, Gary Lineker often says that Peter Shilton, he's never seen him save a penalty. So it's a bit like that, isn't it? And Ederson um, doesn't really have a reputation as a, as a penalty stopper. Well, yeah, as Ray said, it's a matter of luck. You know, you've got... Uh, stand still, dive left, dive right, dive high. So you've got five basic options. But, you know, I mean, the classic case of, um, the classic case is Claudio Bravo, isn't it? Nobody rated as a keeper. Yet at Wembley, he was absolutely magnificent when it came to the penalty shootout against Liverpool. Big Willie. Willie Caballero before that. And Willie again. And even, even, um, Murich has done it in yeah. the league cup, yeah. Did uh, Otamendi really deserve his, um, second yellow ray? Um, for stupidity, yes. Um, <laughs> because, look, he was miles away from the goal. It was near, if I remember correctly, it was near the halfway line. 
it was miles away. The guy wasn't going to threaten. He was pretty much on his own. And if you make a foul, you give the referee the opportunity to give you a card. Now, we can argue it was ha- it was a harsh card to give. You've given the, op- the referee the opportunity to make a decision. Uh, and, and for that, you know, I was very disappointed with Nico. He, he, should, he should have been standing his ground and working hard to get back at the uh, attacker, not bringing him down. Maybe Nico thought, I'll just get a warning and I'll just be able to carry on. Well, the referee had other ideas and he was off. I thought that was a very harsh yellow card because, yeah. I said before, the definition of a yellow card, it has to be reckless with uh, no thought to the safety of the opponent. Now, it was it was none of that. It was it was careless, yes, yeah. but it wasn't reckless. So, no way did he deserve a yellow card. Uh, Leroy Sané didn't get a start. Should he have been on from the start, really? Because, you know, wanting to show everybody back home and especially show the German uh, national team manager just what exactly he had been missing. Give that to Ray. Expected him to start. But, you know, Pep, Pep's his own man. Maybe Pep was just sipping for the cup final. Get through this game quite easily. Might have been a reflection on his... Uh, performance at Newport or whatever we just don't know um, but to be honest I was glad to see him come on so a bit surprised that he took I think Sergio off to bring Leroy on um, but I was glad because you know we we needed a, a different kind of attacking threat a stunning strike by Leroy Sane to bring us back into the game to level the scores a carbon copy of the one that he scored against Hoppenheim what a beauty Colin just about 10 minutes earlier, I think it was about 10 minutes earlier, we'd had a free kick uh, closer in. Kevin De Bruyne had taken it. And his effort kind of summed up our effort in the second half. It just lacked energy. Yeah. Sort of, it just kind of went into the, or the, you know, the thighs of the um, Schalke wall. And that kind of seemed to me a sum, sum up our second half effort so far. You know, a little bit half-hearted, a little bit settling for what we got. Uh, and then Leroy came on unleashed, that absolute screamer. It certainly had me out of my chair. And we are getting uh, bailed out by these individual pieces of brilliance. And um, uh, we will, uh, of course, go back and uh, and go forward a little bit more in this podcast. Just for now, let's just talk about that wonderful, booming pass out from Ederson right to the feet of Raheem Sterling. What did you think about that, Ray? It left um, Sterling one-on-one out wide with one of their defenders. Uh, I mean, they had 11 men, we had 10. They should really have doubled up on Sterling. Uh, he was our only uh, attacker at that point. Yeah, it was a, a fantastic pass uh, straight to him. Whether the uh, the defender slipped or whatever, th- th- their fellow went to ground. A couple of touches, it's in the box. The goalkeeper's positioning looked really poor. And all Sterling had to do was pass it into the net, and which is what he did. And, uh, you know, we'd, uh, I think we'd grabbed an amazing, unlikely victory out of nothing. Lovely finish, and I think, just to add to what Ray said, if you watch kind of the long shot of that, Sterling actually calls for the ball, and so he'd position himself, again, watched it a few times, and it's, they're both sort of leaning on each other, and Sterling moves away, and I think the Schalke player goes to try and lean on him and falls over, but Sterling had gone, bit of a, um, you know, Del Boy and only fools and horses with the, the thing on the bar. Ederson's long-range distribution skills are a potent weapon, and you'd be tempted, wouldn't you, to start him in the game against Chelsea in the cup final. But of course, we've been using Neurich all the way through. He kind of deserves his spot too. But you'd be seriously tempted of taking advantage of that, wouldn't you? I think you are tempted. I'm kind of caught here because Ederson's so good. But on the other hand, you think Murich, you know, he got dragged away from his loan spell. 
So he's missed a season of football. If I'm right, Vladimir Bravo was our Carabao Cup goalkeeper last season. He stuck with him. So um, I hope he sticks with Newich, a pretty uh, decent keeper. And the rest of the team, it's up to the rest of the team to win the game. Not up to Murich to save it for them. So I'd like to see Murich start on uh, Sunday. Me too. If you think back, the, the one time where we had a, the backup goalkeeper in nets throughout the campaign and then we changed was the Wigan FA Cup final. Yeah. And, and Pantillimon, with his extra high, might well have saved that that Ben Watson. Yeah, the Ben Watson header won the game for them against us and Pantillimon's arms might have been long enough to prevent that going and we remember it well. It was a fantastic result, not so much the performance. But guys, is it beginning to worry you about the way that City cannot hold on to a lead? I'll give that to Ray. Yeah, I've said it many times. I said, I've said it in, uh, in videos we've done before the game. You know, my concern was in the uh, group stages, you know, against Hoffenheim, same against Lyon. We struggled against Lyon twice, losing uh, at home and drawing away, throwing um, leads away. Against Crystal Palace, we were up, we looked comfortable. Against Leicester, we were up, we looked comfortable. And uh, against Newcastle, we were up, we looked comfortable. And we managed to lower our tempo, lower our intensity, uh, become sloppy and give up teams a way back into a game. And they took, took it away from us. And I, I was worried that it was going to happen here because even a 2-1 win for, for uh, Schalke on paper looks good to you, but you never know what's, what's going to happen in football. Um, we could end up, ended up with a nil-nil back at Etihad. So it's a concern of mine that uh, during games we do have this uh, dip in concentration, in focus, in intensity, in energy. Uh, and that can cost us. And we struggled a bit this season with some of that. And, you know, it might just be an after effect of uh, last season where we basically in the league, you know, swamped everybody before us. And, you know, if I could put my finger on it, I'd be ringing up Pep every day and trying to tell him. There's got to be a reason uh, why we've stepped off the gas a little bit in, in games this season. I just don't know what it is. Colin, I was at a, a recent uh, local game. They were going through lulls in the game. Unlike at City, when uh, this team, Larn FC, of course, the Northern Irish team, when they were going through these lulls, I noticed two things specifically. First of all, the crowd got stuck into them and were yelling, wake up, waking up, waking up. And you had um, a captain figure who was going round the pitch, getting stuck into people and digging people out. Seems to be we could bet very much benefit from uh, from those reactions. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I've been at the Etihad when City are a bit sloppy and the crowd are, you know, muttering and moaning. But I think I'll pick up the second point you made, because it's a point I was going to make, that I do not like David Silver as captain. Because, I mean, <laughs> with no disrespect to him, he's such a quiet, modest guy. You need a Vinnie Company, a, you know, a Roy Keane, someone who'll grab players at the scruff of the neck and shake them out of, the, of kind of the lethargy. It's fair to David Silver, as good, great a player as he is. I don't think he's a captain. I'd rather see Fernandini with the armband. Things didn't change dramatically when company came on, but I, I think we did seem to perk up a little bit. And whether that's coincidence or not, or we're just making one last effort to win the game. I mean, teams will always go through a lull in games. You know, it's, it's natural that you run out of energy a bit. I always say, when you play someone like Liverpool at Anfield, you know they'll come out and go, go at you on like an express train for 15, 20 minutes. And you've got to try and contain that. But then they'll run out of steam a bit. And I think it's natural that teams will run out of steam. But it's more than running out of steam, isn't it? It's about, you know, the touch deserting them, playing the safe pass. And it's that kind of switching off. Do you need someone on that field to, you know, to grab players verbally or physically if necessary and give them a bit of a shake? 
and, and, and remind them, you know, what's at stake. Just to back up something that Colin said earlier in the pod, guys, very surprising for me to learn that uh, Bentaleb has converted each of his 14 penalties for Schalke. We come to a very brief point in the pod, which is Test Colin Savage. Let's come to <laughs> Test Colin Savage again. Uh, Colin, can you guess what was notable about Otamendi in this, his 161st appearance for Manchester City? Well, I didn't score. I didn't get an assist. Red card. Uh, oh, red card, right. Can you believe that that is Nicholas Otamendi's first red card for Man City? That was the first thought that went through my head. I thought, no, 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 Otamendi's had a red, must have had a red card before. <laughs> I know. That, that was, I didn't realise that. <laughs> well, there you are. We've bested Colin Savage. We'll continue to test Colin <laughs> Savage. We'll try and keep a score as well, guys. But it's not all doom and gloom. We've scored three away goals. We've beaten Schalke, boiled some piss. And of course, We've got the cup final, guys. I'm going to be there with you. Yeah. I'm going to be in the car with Colin Savage on the way back. I'm going to be watching the game with Ray and Andy. It's going to be exciting. Guys, is there any prospect that Phoenix from the ashes, uh, Sari, is going to do something stupid like put players in their natural positions, put Canty in defensive midfield and get the Chelsea juggernaut back on track? Or is he just too stubborn, Ray? He's too stubborn. I mean, if you look at his comments after Chelsea won yesterday, uh, he's, I think Jorginho was a sub and he said, we missed him. Uh, we need him on the pitch. So, uh, you know, and I think the, the crowd booed him for one of his substitutions because it was a like for like as normal. He's, he's stubborn. He wants to show, you know, his, his mind is still sharp and what his methods and systems are, are correct. Uh, he fully believes in them. And I expect him to do the same. Colin, do you think we are in for any surprises here? Did anyone expect Wigan to win the 2013 FA Cup final? I don't think even the Wigan fans expected that. So I Bringing think back bad know, memories. What worries me is you reminded us of that twice now, Colin. It's not a two-leg game, is it? It's a one-off, single game at Wembley, in, you know, kind of in front of the world, and um, anything can happen. Manchester City up for the cup in the cup, the League Cup final against Chelsea. We're going to be there. And we're going to be podcasting after it, as we usually do. So let's uh, finish off there. And uh, before we do that, let's uh, thank our two guests. First of all, King of the Kipaks Man and City Matters Committee member, we have Colin Savage giving his views on this pod. Thank you so much, Colin. Oh, pleasure, and I'll see you on Sunday. Uh, thank you very much. And also we have the one and only Man City Fan TV, Ray. Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, always a pleasure, Mike, and I'll see you on Sunday. Until the next podcast, have one of us and up the blues. Come on, City. It's about time that your mind took a heart